Welcome to Nebraskanomics, where we help Nebraskans remove barriers to opportunity with policy research and legislative advice. I'm your host, Jim Vogel, CEO of the Platt Institute, a Nebraska-based think tank promoting policies that make it easier to get a good job, start a business, and help Nebraskans keep more of what they earn. If you want more economic freedom in Nebraska, then let's get started. Welcome to this edition of Nebraskanomics. I'm Jim Vogel, CEO of the Platt Institute and your host today. Today's going to be a fun one. I always look forward to having discussions with our team that is fortunate to have three former state senators. Jim Smith is our chief strategy officer. Nicole Fox is our director of government relations. And Laura Epke is our senior fellow. Before I get to those three folks to talk about what we can expect with the legislative session starting here in January. I wanted to remind our listeners of just what a historic year it's been for Nebraska and for the Platt Institute. First of all, let's just start with taxes. Platt Institute championed several pieces of legislation that made it across the finish line. It was the largest tax package in the country, creating over $2 billion in annual savings, which equates to about 3,000 per Nebraska families. We brought the top income tax rate down from a corporate individual income tax standpoint to 3.99%. Actually removed a piece of your property tax bill by eliminating community colleges' ability to levy property taxes. And this is obviously gonna set us on a path towards finally competing regionally. And we'll outline what may be happening next on the tax front. We also made commendable strides in 2023, helping Nebraska stand out with innovative policy by passing our first regulatory sandbox law. So you're asking yourself, well, what is a regulatory sandbox? The the law will allow companies that are regulated by Nebraska's Department of Insurance, so this is insurance specific, to test new innovative ideas without having to wait for conventional agency approval. So with this, companies will work hand-in-hand with the agency to ensure innovations uh, make it out of market uh, even quicker. Along with taxes and innovation, Nebraska and the Platt Institute uh, championed uh, transparency in the last legislative session by finally uh, getting the creation of a digital archive of all legislative hearings of floor debate available for Nebraska taxpayers across the state to view those legislative hearings and floor debate become more engaged at a time that's more convenient for them. And then finally, from a legislative standpoint, the first enabling school choice legislation passed in Nebraska this year. Nebraska was the last state in the country to pass school choice. And specifically, this is a tax credit scholarship piece of school choice legislation, LB 753. And this is going to provide greater access for scholarships so that every child is plugged in to the best educational outlet for their individual success, giving them the opportunity to attend a a private school where they may not financially otherwise be able to. So with that, I'm going to turn to former state senator and our chief strategy officer, Jim Smith, for the first question to kick off our discussion. Jim, the 108th legislature, second session is going to kick off in January, which is a few weeks away. Can you explain to our listeners what we can expect from what some call the short session? Thank you, Jim, and and 
by how 2023 has uh, sped by all of us. And uh, like all of us, our 49 state senators are pivoting from their summer and their fall activities and beginning to focus their attention on the 2024 second session of the 108th legislature. And our listeners will remember that the second session is, as you mentioned, the 60-day short session, as opposed to last year's 90-day first session. During that first session, if you recall, the legislature established its leadership and its budget for the two-year cycle, and it introduced many of the bills that will carry forward into the second session. In 2023, more than 800 bills were introduced, and contents of roughly 290 of those bills were passed into law. So if you do the math, that means roughly two-thirds of the bills that were introduced in the 2023 or first session can be carried forward into 2024. And that's not even to mention the new bills that can be introduced in 2024 once the session begins. But here are a few thoughts that I think will shape these second session. First of all, the 13 senators that started new in 2023 now have a year of experience behind them. That means that they're going to be more productive and they're going to be more knowledgeable of the rules that govern the uh, operations of the legislature during session. Leadership is in place and relationships and coalitions have formed. Time-consuming effort uh, of creating the budget is mostly behind us, which will free up the time needed to be productive in a short session. Big picture themes have been established, and you heard about those in Jim Vogel's opening remarks. But here's the challenges. The time is shorter. So that experience factor of the new legislators is critical. The election year of 2024 will certainly cloud uh, some of the activities. And then we, we are running the risk of losing 14 senior legislators. This will be the last year for 14 of our, our legislators, many of them are holding leadership positions on committees. And uh, so that turnover is going to be important as to how this 2024 session progresses. Nicole or Laura, following up on that, can you talk about how the bill prioritization works, uh, specifically in the shorter set session, especially if a bill is not prioritized by a senator or a committee, the likelihood of it getting heard by the full legislature is probably slimmer. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. This coming session, just because things are moving so quickly and due to the fact that there's so much carryover legislation, I anticipate that no bills will be heard or not heard, but no bills will be listed for debate um, unless they have a priority designation, be it an individual senator priority or a committee priority. We talked about what well, we got over the finish line this last year, a historic year for the legislature and for Platt. Talk about key carryover bills for Nebraska and for our organization that we hope get that prioritization or if they've already had it and got out of committee that we can get over the finish line. 
Yeah. Over the interim, I've been having meetings with several stakeholders, several senators talking about issues that they feel are going to headline the 2024 session. And we're definitely in sync. The top two are workforce and taxes. So as far as carryover legislation, we have a great workforce bill that will reduce barriers for those trying to move to Nebraska from another state who are licensed, um, and also for those with history of criminal conviction, and that is LB-16. Um, LB-16 was initially introduced by Senator Breezy, but he is uh, no longer in the legislature because he has been appointed to be our treasurer, but we do anticipate Senator Conrad taking ownership of that bill and becoming our new sponsor. The good news about LB-16 is that it sits on general file. So it's already been through a hearing. The committee has voted it out. The kinks have been worked out. It's ready to go. And this is a really good piece of bipartisan legislation because at the end of the day, Nebraska is an island when it comes to the issue of licensed workers moving into a state from another state. Every state around us, every one of our border states has already enacted this type of legislation and it's time that Nebraska gets on board. And so we're hopeful that this could be an early scheduled bill during session because, and we also think that it would be a, you know, it's bipartisan and we think it'd be a great piece of legislation to set the tone for 2024. Secondly, I mentioned that taxes is another thing that is mentioned in pretty much every senator meeting that I have. And you, Nebraska did a lot last year, and there's, but there's more that we could do. And if we don't do it, other states are going to leapfrog us. So it's really important to stay competitive both regionally and nationally that we don't let the momentum slow. And we do have several bills that we're interested in that are carryover from last year. One being LR23CA. This is uh, a bill that's been introduced by Senator Repeat. LR23CA takes to a vote of the people whether counties should continue to levy inheritance taxes. And so we've had we've been involved in getting legislation across the finish line in the past to reduce the burden of the inheritance tax, but we as an organization feel it's time for this egregious tax to go away. So we're hoping um, to see something happen with inheritance taxes this session. And as a reminder, Nicole, Nebraska now is only one of five states that levies a state inheritance tax, correct? Yes, we are one of five remaining states. Our neighbor, Iowa, passed a bill a couple of years ago, phasing it out. And I do believe that 2024 is their last year of levying on the tag. So after this year, if we do nothing, we will be an island in that sense too, because we will be the only state west of the Mississippi River to have a tax like that on its on its books. Additionally, we were proponents of a couple of bills last year dealing with taxes that, de- that deal with Nebraska's business climate. The first one was LB 492. It was sponsored by Senator Von Gillern. And what this bill does is it allows companies, particularly manufacturing companies and companies investing in research and experimentation arenas, to fully expense the cost of those investments in the year that those investments are incurred. What we're trying to do here 
is decouple from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act because this ability to full ex fully expense went away um, in 2023. So we're hoping to see that bill get across the finish line. The second tax-related bill uh, that's carryover related more to uh, business friendliness deals with remote workers. In fact, last year, the National Taxpayers Union put out a paper talking about the 50 states and their treatment of remote workers. And Nebraska was tied for 49th. So that's not a that's not a ranking that uh, we want to brag about. We hope to improve that. And last year, there were two bills, LB 173 and LB 416, that would improve Nebraska's rankings. 173 said, basically, it proposed that instead of day one, when a worker comes into Nebraska from another state to work, that they have to file taxes for withholding and their employers have to, too, that it would increase that threshold to 30 days. LB 416 was dealing with convenience of employer rules. And so right now, if there is a company who has remote workers in another state, that state, ha that worker must file taxes within Nebraska. And if they are uh, living in a state that is also subject to income tax, they're potentially exposed to having, pay, having to pay income taxes to two different states. Those bills were sponsored by uh, Senator Bostar and Senator Kauth, respectively. And we do anticipate uh, the legislature to take up this issue as well. So those are kind of some of the bigger ones. Um, we also are interested in a few other carryover bills, cottage foods, the expansion of that. Those are things that that's an issue that we championed a few years ago. And so what we're trying to do is expand on that bill and allow just a wider array of, food, of foods to be produced by home bakers. And then also, I do, and although we aren't looking at specific bills, I would say another thing I'm hearing as far as an appetite of things to address would be housing. And so I do anticipate there will be legislation brought forward dealing with the housing crisis here in our state. And I know Governor Pillen has a, a property tax reform committee in the works. We just released a study last in, in the last week or so on property tax reform ideas, you can visit our website at platinstitute.org and look at the menu of property tax reform and other tax reform ideas and solutions that we put forth for the next session and, and, the, and the years beyond. I'm going to come back to you, Nicole, in a little bit to ask you a follow-up question, but first I want to get to Senator Ebke. What's your vision of other bills or issues to generate attention during the second session? You and I like to talk about uh, the what ifs. And so the, the floor is yours now to, to give your ideas on what you anticipate for the short session. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing to remember is that it is a short session, um, that there's a lot of bills already hanging out there, like Jim alluded to. You have a new level of experience with that big class of 13 freshmen who have been through a year and now have a new vision for what they want to see done and how they want to see it done. Last year was sort of a baptism by fire for them. And so they probably have some new ideas that we'll see after the first of the year. We also have those, uh, as Jim mentioned, those 14 term limited senators who want to, you know, go out on a good note. And so they'll want to get some things done as well. 
So I think there's probably a pretty good chance that early on we'll see a rules debate of some sort, attempts to try to um, streamline the process so that things move a little more smoothly than they did last year. That would be the big prediction. I think one of the unknowns that we don't exactly have, and Nicole may have more insight into this, what the plans are. You know, we mentioned the the, the the previously prioritized bills that are sitting on general file already are they do they maintain their priority or do they do, do the senators have to come up you know and reprioritize them if everybody only gets one priority you know and and you've got a new session and new priorities you know it raises some interesting questions about what's actually going to be going to be addressed it'll be fun to watch i think with with the with the new senators kind of getting their feet under them this year. And, you know, it'll be fun to, it'll be fun and a little bit sad as well to watch as, as those senior senators get ready to, you know, kind of take their final bows on the, on the last day of session. So I don't have any, Nicole has covered most of the big issues that I see coming down the path. Um, so I'm not going to go any further than that. Laura, you've been a strong advocate for LB16. You've worked on job licensing when you were a state senator. Talk quickly about the importance, and Nicole outlined it pretty well, but from your perspective, talk about the importance of getting LB-16 over the finish line this year, finally. Sure. You know, we we have been working on this for a long time in some form or another, and, you know, we, we, we hear time and time again how important workforce is to Nebraska, you know, how expanding the workforce is is important. And so... This is just one piece of the puzzle. You know, we've talked about it at our at our, our legislative summit that 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 was one piece of the puzzle. Nothing is going to fix workforce by itself, but if we can bring make it possible for people to come to Nebraska, military folks, military spouses, people who are licensed who just want to get back home, get get back to Nebraska or try to live the good life, I, I think that if we make it easier for folks, that will at least make some incremental steps towards improving our workforce situation. But the second part of it, which we don't talk about quite so often, is the is the second chances component. And that ties in nicely with our dignity project and the effort that we're trying to make to to say, you know, just because you've been incarcerated and made some mistakes in your life, like, you know, we've all made some sort of mistakes in our life, I think. That that doesn't mean that we're going to hold it against you forever. And so people ought to be able to to chase the American dream. And part of chasing the American dream is to, you know, find something that you're passionate about with which to make your income. And so we're going to try to try to move the bill through for the second chances reason as well. And I think that 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 piece of it, you know, the combination of both the universal recognition and the second chances really makes it a bipartisan bill in so many ways. Jim, you are former revenue committee chair. Where do you see Nebraska, maybe not this next session, but outline your thoughts there too, from a tax reform standpoint? Sure. You know, it was, it was always the case where I was in the legislature and chair of the revenue committee, that there were a handful of states that were out front in restructuring their tax codes to be more competitive, to modernize their tax codes. But of late, it, it seems like many, many of the states that we previously did not expect to get involved in striving towards that competitiveness have jumped into the race to reform their tax codes. And so, you know, it's a crowded field now and we have to stay on our game. You know, we talk about 
strong, steady, and responsible tax reform. I think that is the right path for Nebraska. And as you mentioned, uh, Jim, uh, that began in 2023. We made some great inroads in 2023 with moving uh, Nebraska into a position where it's really competitive, quite competitive among its peer states and, and certainly within the region. But we have to we have to continue that course. Recently, Plan Institute released what that looks like for the next several years. I encourage the listeners to take a look at that document. Property taxes are going to continue to be front and center. There's a lot of discussion about that still. And I would just say, let's be a bit cautious on that. We do want to uh, continue to address property taxes, but we have to do it in such a way that we, you know, continue to put the pressure on the local governments to control their spending and to control the property taxes rather than relying too much on the state to pay for those offsets in reducing property taxes. The state needs to continue to focus on income taxes and corporate income taxes. And uh, some of those types of taxes that really determine whether businesses grow, locate, and the uh, prosperity of our families and our individuals in our state. So I would say strong, steady, and responsible tax reform is really the right path for the state of Nebraska. And it's on everyone's mind. I, I know about the consumption tax and what that may look like. And I would say, yeah, yeah, as the state uh, legislators continue to address further income tax reform and doing so in a strong, steady, and responsible way, it really takes away the argument of, of relying on something as drastic as the consumption tax. Thanks, Jim. Speaking of local property taxes and spending, Nicole, we championed uh, the truth in taxation legislation back in 2021, I believe. We had our second round of truth and taxations hearings this last September. We saw a record thousands of taxpayers showing up uh, to engage their local elected officials about the spending that's associated with these valuation increases. We know that this law can get better. Want to walk our listeners through the two or three things that uh, you're having conversations with the bill sponsor and senators about uh, ahead of next year's session. Thanks, Jim. So first of all, one of the things that we hear the most from individuals reaching out to us commenting on the truth and taxation process is the timeline. The last year, we brought forward a bill to try and improve on that timeline. It did make it a little bit better, but it's it wasn't enough. And so uh, I've been in conversations with Senator Hansen, who does plan to bring back uh, some more legislation to continue to tweak and finesse the bill uh, now that we've been through a second year of hearings. And so he definitely, I've made it very clear to him, we'd like to have these hearings before the budget is approved. And I know he's talking with a variety of entities to see if there are ways we can can change the timeline as far as the budget process, as well as the valuation process, because there, there are some things out of the legislature's control that are in law right now, such as when the counties are notified of, you know, the, the assessments and, the, and what their property values are. So 
working on that. Also, um, we want this to be true truth and taxation. That was our intent when the bill was initially introduced. And what I mean by that is that if a political subdivision requests even $1 more than uh, just what is real growth, uh, new homes being built, new you know, improvements to real property being made, um, but $1 over that would trigger this truth and taxation process joint public hearing. When we passed the bill in, or when the legislature passed the bill back in 2021, there was a lot of pushback on this. And so that's where we got the real growth plus 2% cushion. And what we found is while a lot of political subdivisions truly have lessened their tax asking to avoid the hearings, you know, they've They've they they're still increasing their tax asking by maybe one point nine nine percent, which is you know maybe less than what it would have been prior to truth and taxation, but it's still a tax increase. And so what we're trying to do, and and really what we're we're not saying with the truth and taxation process that they can't ever increase uh, their tax asking, especially if th there's a good reason. For example, a school district is growing exponentially because at one point it was more a smaller school, but because of urban sprawl, you know, you've got these schools that are growing, you know, we get that. But what taxpayers do deserve is an understanding of why the tax asking is going up. And so we feel that real truth and taxation would provide the most transparency possible and maybe even though put some pressure on some of these political subdivisions to really pause and look for ways to keep their spending under control. Senators Epke, Smith, and Fox, anything else that you'd like to bring up before we wrap this up today? It's coming fast. In the legislative session, you get to the 1st of December and, and it happens faster than you know it. With, you get through the holidays and, you know, we'll be to January, whatever it is, 3rd, 6th, you know, before we know it. So we'll be in the heat of things very soon. That's right. And uh, I would just say again, thank you to those 14 senators that are going to be termed out after the 2024 session. And uh, for our listeners, if any of you are in the districts of any of these senators, make certain you reach out to them and, and thank them for their service. We rely on our citizens to be our legislators. And so we really appreciate the work that they've done for us. To stay up to date on what's going on in the legislature and our priorities, the Platt Institute, visit our website at platinstitute.org. And if you have but already signed up for my weekly email, please do so as well. And you can find that opportunity on our website. Senators, thanks for joining me today on this episode of Nebraskanomics. And we look forward to building on the momentum of 2023 as we head into the new year. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want more economic freedom in Nebraska, please visit platinstitute.org to make a donation to help fund our research and advocacy. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter and learn about today's most important issues facing Nebraskans. It's time to stop the status quo. Let's remove economic barriers and make Nebraskans proud.